For many of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Pastor Justin Domino, one of our preaching, our preaching pastors here. I want to throw up a picture of my family. Um, I have a very young family that, there it goes. This is my wife, Maddie. This is my daughter, Israel. She's in the middle. And then our newest baby girl, she's almost six months. Her name is India. They're the ones that trash her house. <laughs> so as I watched that video, like that was one of the most relatable things to me as a young family. But I want to start off with something that I don't usually do very often. I want to ask for some audience participation. Who remembers who invented the light bulb? Wrong, it was Washington. I'm kidding. What year was the light bulb invented? 1879. Seminary doesn't teach you that, folks. I remember from school. Before the light bulb was invented, the average person got 11 hours of sleep. I want you to just take that in for a moment. <laughs> Especially if you're a young dad like me, 11 hours of sleep. If I went home tonight and I got 11 hours of sleep, I might cry. I think, honestly, <laughs> this morning I was up around, I think it was like 4.15, 4.30, hanging out with our little six-month-old, like, yeah, I'm tired, but this is reality for life. But this morning, I want to talk about rest. And for many of us, you know, we're really focusing on, on young families in this sermon series, but for many of us, this is true for all of us. So if you don't have kids, if you're a grandpa or whatever, the content of this whole series is still going to be very important for you. But for many of us like me who have kids, rest is something that we are truly, honestly fighting for. It's one of the things that we rarely ever get. And if, like I said, if I ever got 11 hours of sleep, that would be life-changing for me. But our entire summer, this summer with my family, it was extremely busy, like many of ours are. And about the end of July... My wife and I were sitting down, I think it was for dinner one night, and we had been doing something almost every single night of the, of the week, every day for the entire month of July, whether it was t-ball or softball, which I'm not giving up, Maddie, um, or family functions, whatever it is, we were so busy. And at the end of July, I was so tired. I think my wife was tired, my kids were tired, and I sat down, and I was like, Maddie, I don't really know how to go forward with this, but we need to sit down on Sunday nights, Sunday evenings, at dinner time, and we, we need to map out our schedule. We need to figure out what we're doing every week ahead of time so these last-minute things don't come up, and so that we can actually plan in times for rest, plans for date nights. If you want to go walk around Target aimlessly for an hour, which women love to do, I want to build this into our schedule. I want to be more intentional. Now, we're not perfect at this. We don't always do this very well, but we're, this is something that we're working towards in our family because we want to be more intentional. We want to be intentional with the time that we have with our family because let's be honest, it is so easy to just fill our schedules up with stuff and then get to the end of it and realize, wow, I'm exhausted. But I think that there's something crucial that we are offered by God that we don't always tap into. And that thing is rest. And I think sometimes when we talk about rest, we say, well, I'm too busy to rest. But we're too busy because we don't rest. And rest is crucially important, not only to the health of our family, not only to our mental health, not only because it'll make us feel better, but there's a spiritual component to rest that I don't think we always realize. But when we tap into resting, even Sabbathing, which we're going to talk about in a few moments, there's something that God can do to our souls and to our spiritual health that is crucial. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Is the busyness that your family has today, is it detrimental to the spiritual health of yourself, 
your wife, and your kids. Because for many of us, we just go about life and we continue to fill our calendars with stuff. And, and I, I was a teenager not that long ago. I'm 29 years old. And I remember some of the expectations that my parents had for me. And I don't think it's much different these days. You know, I had a job in the summer. I played multiple sports all year round. My parents really wanted me to get in, into uh, instruments. And I'm not a very musical guy, but you know, it's, it's good for kids to do. But I was so busy and I had no time for it. My mom wanted me to learn the, the guitar. I wanted to for like a month. I hated it. It was terrible. I gave it up. It's still in my parents' basement to this day. But they wanted me to be a sports, work, guitar. I was pushed to do the choir. <laughs> they wanted me to be with friends and have a social life. On top of this, I had to do homework. And I'm like, this is impossible. It's very stressful to be a teenager, when you're that young, we're filling up our calendars with so many things. On top of that, many of us as mom and dad, we don't generally get home until 6 or 7 p.m. at night. And if you got little kids like me, my daughter, my, my four-year-old, she goes to bed at 7.30. So if I get home late from work, well, then I have an hour, maybe two hours at best to spend with my daughter. In fact, the average family, a survey was done just a few years ago, the average family spends 37 minutes of quality time together Monday through Friday. Like, this is how busy we are. And so I want to ask you that question again. Is your family's busyness and your hurry, is it detrimental to the spiritual health of yourself, your wife, and your kids? Author and pastor Dallas Willard, who has passed away now, he said this. He said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. See, there's a difference between busyness and hurry. I, I think it's good to be busy. It's good to have things to do. Now, it's not good to be overly busy, but it's good to have things to do, a job to go to, friends to hang out with. That's a healthy thing. You want a social life. But I think that there's a, a stark difference between being busy and always feeling like you're in a rush, always feeling like life is hectic, always feeling like you're totally and completely overwhelmed. Like that video that we just watched, that is so typical for so many families because it's hard to find time to clean. It's hard to find time to build into your schedule when MTV Cribs is coming to your house. It's so hard to find time. And when we don't have time, we get rushed. And so my sermon today, it's not going to be just, a, hey, you need to find more time, sleep it a little bit longer. It's not going to be a self-help, self-improvement message, although I think there's a time and a place for that. But really what I want to key in on today is that God has something to offer you in your rest. God has something to offer you as you take a step back and you stop being in so much of a hurry. In fact, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter, 20, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. Now, if you hear the word yoke and you're thinking of eggs, you're on the wrong track. Um, a yoke is a tool that farmers used to use before all this technology that we have today with real tractors. They used to have you know, sheep or oxen or whatever and they would put this yoke, it was a board. We actually have a picture of it right here. So it's a board, a piece of wood with ropes around each end of it. And you put the oxen's head or the cow or whoever, you put their head in there, and then they can carry heavy loads together as you stack things on top of the board. It gives it a nice little structure for them. Now, Jesus is saying that life is very hectic. Life comes with a lot of responsibility, 
comes with a lot of work, comes with a lot of sin, comes with a lot of responsibilities. And so he's saying that when you become a follower, when you come to Jesus, all of this responsibility, the pain of life, the suffering of life, the sin of life, it's not going to go away because it's a reality of life. But what Jesus is inviting his followers into when he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What he's inviting us into is this relationship with him where we are walking side by side, just like those two oxen are. We're walking side by side with Jesus. And the picture here is that we are shouldering the burden of life together with Jesus. Now, as we have this picture of of two oxen with the yoke on their shoulders, what would happen if one wanted to walk to the right and one wanted to walk to the left? It wouldn't work very well. They would get frustrated with each other. They wouldn't be able to carry what they were supposed to carry. They wouldn't be able to get to where they're supposed to go. And I think that this is a perfect picture of us when we're just trying to live our lives without Jesus. When we do this and we get so busy and so much in a rush that we don't have any bearing over our spiritual health or our spiritual lives, and we almost, let's be honest, forget to follow Jesus because we are so busy, we're going to walk out of step with him. But Jesus is saying that when we shoulder the burden of life together and we carry this yoke with him, there's an ease, there's a pace, and there's a peace that comes when we come to Jesus with our sins, with our burdens, with our calendars, and with everything that comes with life. For me, this message really hits home because I've had a lot of family pain in my life. Not in my immediate family necessarily, although we've dealt with infertility issues, which God has been amazing and miraculous in our lives. But throughout my entire life, I've dealt with family members who have committed suicide. I've dealt with a grandma who passed away in my living room at age when I was 15 from Alzheimer's and dementia. I've, we've had pain and divorce and, and drugs and alcohol issues all throughout my family. I know what it means to go through the burdens of life. But when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, I start to realize that all the chaos and the craziness of my family's history and my personal life, within that, I can find healing and redemption and freedom because Jesus says, come to me with your burdens. Not come to me and I'm going to make life easy and you're never going to have to go through pain again. He says, come to me with your burdens and I will give you rest. For some of us, we've had a a relatively easy life. We haven't faced the pain that other people have had. And, And that's a good thing. That's a blessing to be able to have. But many of us also, if we're in that camp of people, we might be wandering through life wondering what our purpose is. And I think that this is one of the main reasons why we do fill up our calendar so much and we get so busy and we get so rushed is because we believe that life is all about just doing things. And if I don't want to face the ugly questions of life of like, what is my purpose here? What am I doing? Then I'm just going to fill up my, my schedule and I'm going to distract myself. But when Jesus invites us into a relationship with him, when he says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, that soul-sucking hurry often makes us weary and burdened because we're not addressing the problems that we have in our lives. We're not addressing the sins that we're going through in our lives. We just, instead, we distract ourselves. And so I think that there's something crucial that Jesus is keying in on here that we need to take advantage of. Author and pastor John Orberg, he once said, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. 
is that we will become so distracted and so rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And so I want you to know that as I talk about this idea of resting, we need to understand what Jesus is actually inviting us into. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says that Satan, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So when I talk about rest, I'm actually talking about something that Jesus is inviting us into that causes us healing, it causes us redemption, and it causes us this moment where we can walk into a new way of life, where we can experience God's goodness, his grace, and his presence on a whole new level. And so here's how we practically put this into our lives. I want to talk about what God introduces in the Old Testament. It's called the Sabbath. Now, in the book of Exodus chapter 20, God lays out all of the Ten Commandments, And one of them happens to be the Sabbath. And here's what he says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. Now, many of us probably have at least a, a beginner's idea of what the Sabbath is, but in the Hebrew, the original language that the Bible was written in, the word Sabbath is Shabbat, and it means to stop, means to cease. So what God is speaking about here is he's really commanding the Israelites, who he wrote this to, he is commanding them to take an entire day where they don't do anything practical. They don't work, they don't cook, they don't clean. What they do is they set this entire day aside to spend time with their families, have quality time, worship God, take naps, which sounds amazing, and they just rest. Now, I know for many of us, us, we're thinking, okay, good luck with that, (laughs) right? Have you seen my calendar? Have you seen my responsibilities? It's just not going to happen. But I want us to consider what Jesus and what God really invited the Israelites into. Now, there's a reason that he did this. He said, he gives the command, but he says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. So what is God talking about? He's referring back to creation. What we have to know is that the Sabbath is not just this grand idea that God had later on because the Israelites were just so stressed out and busy. The Sabbath day, this this concept of rest, was actually woven into the fabric of reality in our lives. So the Sabbath, it's not just a good tip, it's truth. And here's what I mean. In 1929, the Soviet Union, they instituted a new week. They redid the entire calendar. They no longer had Saturday and Sunday, but they just did Monday through Friday, and they worked every single day. Doesn't that sound amazing? No, I'm kidding. Monday through Friday, no work, no weekends. This only lasted for 11 years, which is longer than I expected. Because what happened is the Soviet Union, being a country full of communism and work and production, that was their slogan. They made every day a work day, but everybody got burnt out and production pretty much crapped out. They found that they were more productive if they had days off. This is why weekends are so important. But what's important to see here is that when we try to change the calendar, when we try to make our own schedules, it doesn't work. This is why people who work seven days a week 
24 hours a day, you will burn out. If you work too much, you will burn out because not only biblically are you going against God's design for creation, but there have been new studies recently showing that every seventh day, your body, scientifically, your body needs to sleep in. It's amazing how science always catches up to the Bible. There's wisdom in this. But what's interesting about the Sabbath is that the Sabbath was given two times in the Bible. Once in Exodus, but also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And here's what I want you to hear in this. This command is almost exactly the same, but I want you to hear what's different. He says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. It's the same exact command. Here's what's different. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. While the first Sabbath was grounded in creation and God saying you are unwise if you keep working because I made this a reality of the universe that you need to rest. The second command for Sabbath is God reminding Israel of what he's done for them. The first one is about rest. The second one is about deliverance. The Israelites were slaves to Egypt in their history. And in the midst of their slavery, God is calling them to to remember and to resist work. Now, it's not because work is bad, but here's what we know about Egypt. Egypt was honestly a lot like the United States back in the day, back in Israel's time here. They were an economic and military power. They were full of consumerism. But one big thing is that they were full of greed. Their whole country, their whole economy, their whole military power was built on the back of slavery and oppression. And so while they they consumed and while they, they made really great things and they were wealthy and they had a lot of things, it all came on the backs of the Israelites who were their slaves. And so what God is calling Israel to do in the midst of this, he's saying, remember the Sabbath day and observe it because you have to remember where you came from. And what this is, is this is a concept where God is inviting them into resisting the temptation because now Israel, in this moment, they're out of slavery, but God is calling them to resist the temptation of power, greed, and consumerism. So while the first Sabbath is a way of of resting because God created it into reality, the second Sabbath is our way of resting from the world and resting from sin. This is why in the New Testament, it is not a law that everybody must do the Sabbath. Right? God's not going to smite you because you don't take a day off and just dedicate it to worshiping him. Although it is wise to do that, we are under a new covenant with Jesus because Jesus has become our Sabbath rest. He is the one who takes the pride, the greed, the consumerism, all that comes from Egypt, and he puts it on the cross, and he's crucified, and now we are free from it. He has become our Sabbath rest. But just because Jesus has become our Sabbath rest, I want to encourage us with this. It is still wise to remember and observe some sort of Sabbath because your soul needs it. Now, there are seasons where we're just going to be busy, and that's okay. But I really want to encourage us as families. We need to build in times of rest if we want to be spiritually healthy. 
And here's what this can look like. I put down some ideas that will be up on the screen for you on the next slide. But here's what this can look like. We have a family in our church, and I'm not going to name them because I didn't ask for permission, but every Friday night they do a pizza night. They do a pizza night, they watch a movie, they hang out as a family. If this is something that you want to start doing with your family because you need quality time and you want to hang out together and be together, institute something like this. You could have a family lunch after church every single week. If your dad lets you, you can watch the Vikings game with him. <laughs> I know sometimes I get a little passionate during football. So I remember last year, my daughter was watching with me, and I, I yelled at the TV, and she thought I was yelling at her. We talked about that. Um, so dad, prepare yourself. But what I want to encourage us to do is we have to figure out how do we build times of rest into our family systems if we want our families to be spiritually healthy. Now, an entire day right now, a whole Sabbath day of 24 hours, that might be a little bit of overkill for us right now. Your schedule, you probably can't implement that tomorrow because you already have plans. But what I want to encourage us to do is work towards implementing specific times of rest every single week into your family structure and your family system. And I'll be very honest with you. Your family needs it. And I want to speak to the dads and the husbands in here for a moment. God has given you the spiritual authority in your home. It's not that you're the only one with spiritual authority. Your wife has spiritual authority as well. But God has given you the responsibility to lead your family really well. So I want to really encourage dads in this moment. Dads, this is on you. You have a responsibility right now in your home to lead your wife and to lead your kids. Build this into your family system. And I want to encourage you, you're going to fail at it. And so families, let's give each other grace. Because there's going to be some weeks where it just doesn't work. There's going to be some weeks where you are just too busy. Get good at it. You're going to fail. That's okay. God is a God of grace, and we're a people of grace. But I don't think you'll be mad that you did this. Because you're going to see your wife flourish, and you're going to see your kids flourish. Why? Because God has built this into the fabric of reality. This is a truth that when we rest, we experience God's goodness, we experience God's grace, and we experience his presence. And also, it makes us realize that we can be fulfilled in our relationships with God rather than just needing another iPhone or another four-wheeler. Why? Because God is calling us to resist Egypt as well. He's calling us to resist consumerism and greed and everything that comes with it. And he's inviting us into a life of abundance. And that life of, of abundance isn't just wealth and riches and, and blessings. It's, it's peace and the presence of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your commands and your word. And Lord, we recognize that today we are under a new covenant. We're under the system of grace and faith. And so a lot of times we get confused and we think that we don't have to necessarily obey certain things. And, and while that's true that we are under grace, God, there's so much wisdom in the Old Testament. There's so much wisdom in the commands that you've given the Israelites. And so I pray today a blessing over all of our families that not only we recognize the importance of rest, but we recognize what it can do for our wife, for our kids, and for us. God, the goal of our families is to glorify you, to, to worship you, to be in your presence, and to, and to experience the things that come with the relationship with you, the blessings, the protection, the provision. So God, would you help us give us pause one day a week or one moment a week 
Lord, we recognize, Lord, that you are God alone and you are the source of all of the good blessings that we have in life. God, I pray spiritual protection over all of our families as well. There's a lot of spiritual warfare that comes when we try to do biblical things, but God, we believe that you are in control and you are more powerful than our enemy, the devil. So Lord, protect our families, give us a vision and help us build in rest because you have given us rest. Lord, you have given us rest from sin. You've given us rest from all these struggles that we have in life. Lord, you are the one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Lord, help us and help our families follow you with our heart and with our soul, with our mind and our strength. It's in your name I pray. Amen.